Well, for those of you who've been around the last few weeks, you know we've been working through a series that's based on the story of the prodigal son. We've been last four weeks, the sermons have been based on a text out of Luke chapter 15. Our life group sessions have been based on a text out of Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. Got to my life group on Wednesday night. Somebody said, I'm getting tired of the prodigal son. I'm thinking, there goes my sermon, right? I got, I got nothing now, right? You know? So this morning, I'm not going to preach out of Luke 15. I'm going to preach out of Luke 19. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter 19 with me. Page 890 if you're using one of our few Bibles. Now, let me do a little recap of where we've been. We, we've been looking at the story of the prodigal son as a, as a model, if you will, of how we need to respond to the ongoing activity of God that is always around us. One of our convictions as Bible-believing Christians is that God's always at work. Not, it doesn't take a single second off. God is always at work. Part of that means is that God is always calling us to respond to his activity. Well, what's a part of that activity? What is that response? Probably lots of different ways you can describe it, but we've latched on to this di- idea of having aha moments. You know, they look, it's great when you see them in movies and that kind of stuff, when people have these moments of insight that leads to real change when the mystery finally gets solved. Well, we're not really looking into it so much as aha moments, but out of the idea that each of those elements of the A, the H, and the A really are integral to the way that we need to respond to God's ongoing activity in our lives. The first A of AHA is awakening. And we've seen awakening really kind of having, we we have these moments of of awakening, moments of insight, moments of revelation, moments of conviction. Those kinds of things occur in our lives. And I really, really kind of put them into three different categories for you. One is awakening can be moments of conviction where God shines a light into our lives and say, this isn't right in my eyes. And we, we have these moments where we see where our lives are out of alignment with God. Moments of conviction. Sometimes we have moments of revelation that produce moments of awakening. When God all of a sudden just unveils the scriptural truth to us that we've really never understood before. Or we're able to make a brand new application with it to our lives. As in a moment when somebody finally it dawns on somebody who's been slaving away uh, that, that, that Grace means that our lives is really dictated by our future, not by our past. When we grasp that truth, we have a moment of revelation. We have an awakening. I think another area for awakening for us is what I would call guidance. When the Holy Spirit works in our lives and says, this is what I want you to do. Of all the needs that are out there, all the opportunities, all the choices you can make, this is what I want you to do. Moments of guidance. That creates moments of awakening for us. Well, what do we do with those moments of awakening? They come all the time in our lives. Well, the first step is to be honest. Just to look at what the current reality is in the light of what God is directing or calling or teaching us to do. And just to be honest with it. Not to minimize it. Not to try to rationalize it away. Not to try to blame somebody else. Not to somehow kind of you know, but just to own it and say, you know what? I did the crime. It's my fault. 
and step up and be honest and make amends. Or you know what? That is an area of my life where I have not been faithful and I'm going to be faithful. This is an area where I haven't been obedient, but I am going to be obedient. We need to be honest in those moments. Like I tell you, at the end of the day, those two things are ah moments. What we're talking about is aha moments, right? And I think it's one of the areas where, especially this kind of a crowd, the kind of crowd that shows up for church on a Sunday morning on a holiday weekend, we, we, we don't struggle so much with the awakening moments. We're in the Bible pretty often. And we're around other Christians, and we're trying to say that kind of stuff. We, we can be real honest with where we're at. Where we struggle is the second A, what turns the ah moments into aha moments, and that is the action that flows, that should flow, needs to flow. It's a part of the response of God's, to God's ongoing activity is not only to have moments of awakening and then the honesty that it brings, but then also to take the right action in responding to God's leadership. Now, in our text this morning in Luke chapter 19, we're going to see what I think is one of the greatest aha moments in the New Testament. I don't think it's up there quite the same level as the Apostle Paul's when he met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus when he was out trying to crush all the Christians and Jesus showed up in his life and said, Paul, why are you trying to hurt me? He had, a, he, had a, he had a larger aha moment that flowed from it. But this is a pretty significant aha moment, and it's the story of a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Anybody remember Zacchaeus? You know, it's, that, that's our VBS song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You know, my wife promised, made me promise I wouldn't sing any more than that, our studio, you know. But the story goes on. Uh, and, and Zacchaeus has an encounter with Jesus, and it changes his life forever. He has an aha moment. There's a moment of awakening, crystal clear honesty, and then he takes the right action in response to the awakening and the honesty. Now, let me bring a little context in. Jesus is making his last trip to Jerusalem. By the end of chapter 19, he's going to experience a triumphal entry. He's already in the last week of his life. So th this is a significant trip. He's, he's dialed in, right? He's already had both an encouraging and a difficult moment in this journey. He's encountered a rich young ruler who came and says, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus interacts with him. He says, you know what, you need to go and sell all that you have and come follow me. And he says, I, I don't want any part of that. He has the awakening. He has the honesty. I got a lot of stuff. He doesn't follow through any action. He falls by the wayside. Then Jesus heals Bartimaeus and gives him his sight back. Now he's traveling down. Galilee is kind of up here, and then Jerusalem's down here, and in the middle is a place where all the Samaritans are, and the Jews really didn't like the Samaritans, and that's a different story. So Jesus has crossed over to the east, and he's coming down the east side of the Jordan River, and when he gets to the city of Jericho, a place that we know well from not only the book of Joshua, where they entered into the promised land, but also we know it well from the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus enters into Jericho, and he's prepared to make the ascent to Jerusalem. Jericho was a beautiful city, full of palm trees, etc., thriving in those days. And here is where we pick up the story in verse 1. And let me just read the first 10 verses for us. So as he entered Jericho and was passing through, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he is rich. He was trying to see Jesus. 
He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was short. Hence the Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? He was short, right? So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and he welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it complained. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Lord, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. And Jesus speaks when he says, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. And this is a great theme that we've been pursuing throughout this journey. For the Son of Man has come to seek. He's always at work, right? He's always speaking to us, always giving us these moments of awakening. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. This is an incredible story in a lot of ways. Zacchaeus is described as the chief tax collector, and he's rich. He's short. He's a, he's a point guard among the centers of the NBA, and he just can't even see the net. So he, he runs down the street, and he climbs up a ladder, and here is this guy who is incredibly wealthy, and he's wealthy because he's just literally stolen the, 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 the stuff right out from underneath the people. The, you think we have a bad tax system, you know, in the United States. This is the way it worked in the first century world, right? The Romans needed to collect taxes. They needed people to do it. So you got to bid on whether or not you could be the tax collector. So it's like a contract. So the guy who bribed the most people got the deal. So once you had the territorial rights to a certain region, a, tax, a chief tax collector, then you got to collect all the taxes from that area. And, and so the Romans may say, okay, we need $100,000 a year from this area. I'm just pulling a number out of the air. Then you go, as a chief tax collector, you hire a bunch of other guys. And they go out, and they work the various intersections around the city and the, the whatever, and different parts of the travels go into commerce, and they're in the markets and all this kind of stuff. And they might collect $400,000 in a year. Now, all you got to do is give 100000 to the Romans. So then, you know, he, those guys may land up owing 150 to 200 to Zacchaeus, and then they get to keep the rest. I mean, it was a terrible system. It's basically... You get to buy a right, you get to buy the right to steal people blind. And you get to do it in the name of taxes. And that's what, that's what Zacchaeus has been doing. He's got an army of guys that he's hired to steal people blind. He's gotten rich. And then Jesus walks through town. You know, first century Facebook and Twitter has brought a crowd together, right? Hey, the prophets come away with Zacchaeus is, is interested. So he, he, he can't get, the, you know, Zacchaeus, nobody's going to let him to the front of the line, right? They're going to look around and see who it is and say, I hate you. You're not getting by me. And, and he can't see nothing. So he runs down the street, climbs up in a sycamore tree. Trees stays generally low to the ground, lots of leaves, kind of, great kind of tree to stand underneath when it's raining. Climbs up, he gets up just high enough where he can see over the crowd, and down the street comes Jesus. Jesus looks up in the tree, says, Zacchaeus, 
Get out of that tree. Get down here. I'm going to go with you today. And in that moment, when Zacchaeus gets down and he starts to walk the path with Jesus. Now, now he's, he comes through the crowd, right? They're walking through the crowd. Everybody's around them now, right? The parade is going right down the middle, and they're all around, and they're saying, you know, what, what is he doing? Doesn't he know Zacchaeus is the worst guy in our city? And he's going to his house. And Zacchaeus in that moment, he owns who he is, right? He knows he's greedy. He knows he's been a thief. And he's standing in the presence of the Lord, and he feels it all. And in that moment, he does exactly, he has a moment of awakening, right? God, God speaks to him. He sees himself in contrast to who Jesus is. He sees himself in contrast to all the people. He sees that all of his life just kind of bundled up, and he's brutally honest with himself. And he says, I, I'm that person. And so he says, Jesus, you know what? I'm going to give half of what I own away to the poor. And if I've stolen from everybody, which really can be interpreted, I've stolen from everybody, <laughs> I'm going to pay them back four times what I've stolen from them. If, if they were supposed to pay $10 in taxes and I charged them $20, i am going to give them back 40 bucks, four times that 10 I'm going to give it. It's an incredible. And Jesus rejoices at the response. You know what? He says, today salvation's come to this house. Because today, he's demonstrated that he's truly a son of Abraham. He's a, he's a child of faith. And that's exactly why I came. Because I came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's an absolute incredible story. I, I think it's got some powerful message for us as we consider how our aha moments with God. How do we take these awakenings that God has given us, which he gives us literally every day, and how do we... And, and then from the honesty, as we look into it and see where we're at in relation to this, the actions that we need to take. And, and I, I want to point out two truths to you and then just offer two observations, and then you can get out and enjoy this beautiful day. All right? Two truths. The first thing I really want you to see from this text, and, and I, this is critically important, at least in my eyes, is that you and I need to realize that conviction is not the same thing as repentance. Conviction does not equal repentance. Having a moment of awakening where we understand that there's some aspect of our life that's not in alignment with God, being convicted is not the same thing as repenting, which is actually to take action and to change. Zacchaeus didn't get down out of the, the tree and everybody starts mumbling and he says, you know what, they're right, I am a sinner. You know what? I'm going to put that on my to-do list to think about. And, you know, because it's breaking my heart right now that, that, that I've, I've stolen from all these people. And, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to give it some thought as to what I might be able to do about that. That's not repentance. Repentance is he climbs down on a tree, and, you know, he says, you know what? These people are right. And, and, and I've been greedy. I'm going to give half of, what I, half of what I own. I'm going to give it away. He, he repents. He changes. I got to tell you, we live in an era where, where we, we are almost, and it's just so hard to put into words, but, but we so prize the feeling that we've actually forgotten the action that follows the feeling. You know, I made a little fun of the first service, you know, we, you know, we, we go, we, 
you know, when I was in, in seminary and et cetera, and, you, and you're in some country churches, and they just they just talk different sometimes. And they're talking about, you know, there's that moment I was at church, and God just pricked my heart, you know, and he just, just and, and, and what they're talking about, you know, I was in church, and, and God just really spoke to me. And it touched my spirit, touched my spirit deep down. And I, I felt like I needed to step up and to do something or to change or whatever. And But somehow or another, we've got to a place where we look at that experience where we say, you know what, I, I, you know, a couple people said to me as they were leaving today, you know, what, I, I just feel inspired and et cetera. We, we, we somehow think that having that level, that moment of inspiration is actually the religious experience. It's not. It's just the invitation to get that out of the tree, the religious experience. The encounter with Christ is when you say, you know what, I'm going to give away half of what I have. And I'm going to pay back everybody I've stole from. That's a religious experience. When God shows you an insight into truth, that's not the moment. That's head knowledge. That's heart knowledge. Whereas when you translate it into character, that's when, it, that's when it really becomes an aha moment. And somehow or another, we live in a time when we think that the spirit of conviction is the same thing as repentance. The fact that I felt sorry about it, the fact that I knew that I should change, the fact that I was emotionally responsive to it means I'm done with it. It doesn't work that way. Conviction is not the same thing as repentance. Awakening isn't an aha moment. Awakening is only an invitation to turn it into an aha moment by actually taking action on what God has shown us, which is exactly what Zacchaeus does. One of the reasons why you and I struggle to really experience the fullness of Christ, and notice I use you and I, include myself in this journey, is that we get to a place where we understand all the truths and we get mesmerized by new and new stuff and the feelings and the emotion and the inspiration and all that kind of stuff, but then we don't follow through on the actions that go with all of that. And it just gets choked out a little bit. Can, can I add to that truth that maybe it's saying the same thing in a different way and if I'm repeating myself, I'll ask you to forgive me for today. But, but, you know, another way to look at the same thing or may, is that salvation actually takes some action. Jesus tells Zacchaeus, based on his actions, he says, today salvation's come to your house. Now listen, I want to affirm in everyone's presence that salvation is totally 100% dependent upon God. We, it is by grace that we are saved by faith. It's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It, we don't have anything at all to do with our salvation. But salvation, if it's real salvation, somehow produces action in our lives. It leads to action. It leads to change. Zacchaeus doesn't just get down out of the tree and get convicted and go on and never change. He actually, in the moment, in response, and it's in that response to this opportunity to enter into a relationship with Jesus to be changed that he actually experiences salvation. It's a powerful thing. And I, I think somehow we've, we've begun to separate all that stuff out. We, you know, one of my fears often is that the way that the church presents the gospel, it, it, it comes across at the end of the day with all you've got to do is say these certain words and then, and then, and you're forgiven, and God can never touch you. You're going to go to heaven no matter what you do. And then somehow or another, there's this magical language that insulates you from any of God's wrath. That's, that, that's not salvation. I, granted, there is a sinner's prayer. There's an invitation to respond to God's grace and invite Him into our lives. But that that very act 
changes. That's that when you get down out of the tree, you say, you know what, I'm not going to be the same person anymore. And you actually change. We had somebody in the church a few years back when we were doing a stewardship series or whatever, and a person came to me and said, you know, I feel really convicted, and I'm making a commitment that I'm going to start giving a tithe the way I ought to. That's the awakening and the honesty piece, right? The action is whether or not they actually follow through on all that and what they experience from it. It all goes together. Conviction is not the same thing as repentance. Repentance actually involves the action of change related upon what God has shown us. And salvation includes, is incorporated, leads to, it produces the fruit of action in our lives. As Zacchaeus gets out of the tree and he doesn't say, you know what? I'm, you know what, first thing Monday morning, I'm going to get together with my accountants and I'm going to figure out how much money I can afford to give away. You know, and I'm going to figure out how much we've stole from everybody and I'm going to see if I can... I'm, he doesn't do any of that stuff. He, just, he takes the action and he responds. And those are powerful truths for us because sometimes just the feeling is what we're satisfied with. Now, i got a couple of observations that go along with this. we got, we got these two truths. Conviction is not the same thing. It does not equal repentance. Repentance is something that flows out of conviction. And that salvation actually leads to and incorporates, it has the fruit of real action, real change in our lives. But here's a couple of little observations I like to make related to this. And the first one, mate, I don't know how it's going to strike you, especially since I'm trying to keep you awake on a Sunday morning and that kind of stuff, but the, the action that flows from the awakening has to be in alignment with one another. Okay? The action that flows from the alignment has to be in alignment with one another. The, the action that flows from the awakening needs to be in alignment with one another. Let me get, give you an example. Here's Zacchaeus. He's up in the tree, right? Why is he up in the tree? He's short. Okay? Did, can't do much about that. Besides that, everybody else in the crowd hates him. There's not a single person who's willing to say, you know, come on up to the front, Zacchaeus. I'll be able to look over you. You're so short. No, nobody, they all hate him. Why do they hate him? Because he's a thief, right? So when he climbs down out of the tree, and G Jesus says, Zacchaeus, get out of that tree. Come down here. I'm going to go eat with you today. And he gets down out of the tree, and everybody's saying he's a sinner. He doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to start going to synagogue more often. He doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, praying more. I'm going to give me one of those prayer mats or whatever. And I say, he doesn't, he, his issue is his greed and his thievery. And his action goes right to the core of the awakening that God's given him. And, and I, th there are times when you and I experience awakenings in our life. God gives us a truth. He gives us a conviction. He gives us guidance. And we want to kind of take it off in a different direction because we can manage that better. So our, the Lord lays out, you know what, I, I, I'm just not loving my wife the way I'm supposed to. And, and we say, you know what, I'll just go out and make more money. Because that's a lot easier than going home and saying, you know what, I haven't loved you the way I'm supposed to, and I'm, and I'm going to start doing that. And here are the things I'm going to start doing, and you actually start doing them. Or we get convicted that, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't give to support the kingdom work the way it's supposed to. So you know what? I'll just sign up for another ministry. <laughs> because somehow or another, we could, you know, it's not going to cost me anymore. It's just going to cost me some of my time. 
you know, and, and, and you can just kind of keep some of that. You know, I, 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 you know we, there's lots of different ways in which you and I divert these things off, you know. When, you know, we, sometimes we feel like, you know, God speaks into our lives and, and we're really kind of out of sorts with something and we, we need to go, we need to go and encounter that. We need to make that relationship right with them or whatever. But that is just so painful. So, you know what, I'll just go visit the shut-ins instead. You know, we, 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 what, we, have, we come up with a religious reaction, a spiritual reaction to what we've experienced, but the two things aren't directly tied to one another. And then we wonder where the power is, right? It's, that case, you know, uh, you know what, uh, I'll, I'll sign up to be on the synagogue building committee. That's not what God's asking them to do, is it? You know, and, and yet we sometimes we, we don't want the actions to line up with one another, you know? And it just doesn't work that way. For instance, many of you know the prophet Jonah, right? God says, I want you to go and preach to the city of Nineveh, which is east. <laughs> it's actually northeast. I want you to go preach to the city of Nineveh in the northeast. And Jonah says, you know what? I like the idea better of going to preach to the people in the city of Tarshish. So I'm going to go down to the coast, take a boat, and I'm going to go west. Those aren't the same things. It's a nice reality, but those aren't the same things. I want you to go northeast of Nineveh. So he says, you know what? I'm just going to toss a little storm in the sea. I'm just going to send a big hungry fish around. I'm just going to let you ferment inside there and there. Uh, you know, and then we're going to puke you out in the shore. And then we'll, well, you're going to learn your lesson that these things have to go together. You know, this, this, boy, when we poke it through, you know, somehow I know when God brings conviction into your life, you say, you know what? I'm just going to pray more. God will be happy with more prayer. Yeah, he'll be happy with more prayer. I'm never going to tell you not to pray more. But that's not the same thing as dealing with the issues head on that God's calling us to. Here's a second tool. And I don't know what you use the word, what word you use with this, but there, when God gives us moments of awakening, there needs to be a sense of abandon, a sense of aggressiveness, a sense of all in in our response to that awakening. The action not only needs to be in alignment with the awakening that God has given us, the honesty that's been revealed to us, but, but it also needs to have a sense where we are really abandoned to it. There's an aggressiveness, an all-in nature to it. You know, Zacchaeus doesn't climb down out of the tree, you know, and say, boy, I don't know how much of this I'm going to do, so I, you know what, I'll, let, let me just get together. We'll manage this out. Maybe I can come up with a payment plan. You know, he, he doesn't start trying to manage. He gets down out of the tree when he experiences conviction. says, you know, half of what I have I'm going to give away. And, and if I've stolen from him, I'm going to pay him back four times. It's, it's an all-in kind of mode. The Apostle Paul, when he meets Christ on the Damascus Road, as soon as he gets his eyesight back and he's running, he starts out there, he's preaching in the streets. It's all in. It's all in kind of idea. And, and somehow or another, you and I, we struggle with, you know what, okay, this is a lot to think about. Let me back this up. I don't know how much time I And we want to get into a place where we can control it. And manage it as we go forward. I told this story in the first service. Yes, we had a w great work day yesterday. Thanks to all of you who showed up. We got, uh, we pulled up, you know, in the morning. It's like, wow, look at all these people here. This is great, you know. And we got lots of stuff done. And and um, one of the things I've been wanting to do, and I enlisted Roger to help me, was to go down and tear down the beaver dam that we have on the property. Some of you didn't know that, but we have a beaver dam that's at this corner of the property out here, and that's why the water's been higher in the area out front. And we have a standing. Um, 
permission from the Conservation Commission here in town to pull the beaver dams whenever we need to. And for a while there, we pulled it down. There was no active families, and it just no active beaver families, and it just drained, and it was great, and et cetera. Then we've had several years of battles with it, you know, and now it kind of seems like there's nobody there. So, so Roger and I went down there to, to, to pull it down pull it down yesterday, at least make a bridge. This thing is 30 feet across, and it's like four feet high, and the mud in front of the thing goes out like six feet. I mean, these darn animals, man, they are engineers, I'll tell you. You know, and, and so we get on the backside and we're pulling out all the back stuff that we can before the water starts running because once the water starts running you know you can just we lost a rake yesterday the current just took it right out of our hands and right down I'm blaming Roger I'm sure he's blaming me but we lost a rake right down the, right down the river because the stuff gets going so we do all the backside out whatever we get the breach going and and and, the, and a lot of the mud's getting carried through all this kind of stuff but there's a couple of big sticks just stuck right in the middle now this is the difference between Roger and I right I, I'm there I, I I want to get it going. I don't want to get too wet. Roger is, we're going to beat these beavers no matter what. He's all in. He's aggressive, you know. So he, he wanders out with one foot and starts really trying to pull in this big one. And next thing you know, he's into up like to here. You know, his both feet are in there. I pull, pull the thing. He's all in. He's, you know, he's abandoned to the task. You know, he didn't smell very good. But he was abandoned to the task. That's going to be a lot of our reaction. When God gives us moments of awakening. It's not to stand on the shore like me and pull it a little bit with a rake. I did get my, I did get my shoes muddy. I want to get some credit. You know, I had to roll my pants up when I got out of there. But, you know, we've got to be all in. It's got to be a sense of abandon to it. You know, I told this in the, in, in the first story. You look at the story afterwards, it comes right on the heels of, uh, of the, the conversion of Zacchaeus. It's the story of the parable of the miner. It, it very similar to the story of the parable of the talent. The mina was a, was a, a quantity of money. It, for most people, it was about 25% of their annual earnings was a mina. It's about three months' wages. And the, Jesus tells the stories about a guy who has to go off to a foreign, foreign land in order to receive his kingship. Not unheard of. In fact, it happened during the lifetime of Jesus. When Herod the Great died, his son, Archelaus, had to go to Rome in order to be sworn in as the next king of Palestine. And so he exhausts, and so Jesus uses this image. This is a guy who goes off on a journey to receive his kingship, and while he's gone, he leaves some people in charge. He gives them a mina to do business with. We might say, you know, all right, you run the camel rental business, and you run the ride-in, drive-in theater kind of thing. And so, you know, there's those kind of pieces. But he gives away... And these three guys are each given a mina, and they go out and they conduct business. When he gets back, he calls them in. First guy comes in and says, you gave me a mina. I've made ten more with it. Here they all are. And he says, wow, that's great. I'm going to put you in charge of ten cities. He gives another one. The other next guy comes in. He says, you gave me one mina. Here's five that I made with this. He says, wow, that's great. I'm going to put you in charge of five cities. Next guy comes in and says, here's, here's your mina. I knew the kind of man that you were, that if I lost this, you were gonna, you're going to take it out of my skin. So I just wrapped it up in a cloth and I held on to it, and I haven't lost one piece of your 25% of an annual income. I haven't lost, lost any of this mina. He says, you know what? You know, you, you're supposed to go and do business with this, right? You, you, you were given an awakening. 
and you took no action. And because of that, you lose. And it's taken from him. You could use that parable to make a lot of application. I think it's really appropriate as you and I think about moments of awakening. It's like God has given us a gift of a minor. He expects us to do something with it. And when you and I don't take action that's all in, that's in alignment, that we really don't turn conviction into repentance, we don't really take the actions that lead from our deliverance, from our salvation, when we, we don't do those things, we, we lose. It, 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 it robs something from our spirit. And then we wonder why we struggle in our spiritual corner. Because God calls us to be people who have not ah moments, but people who have aha moments. Moments of awakening and of action, of honesty that leads to real, all-in, in alignment, action on what God has shown to us. Let's pray together. Father, let us be like the prodigal son. And we're sitting in the pig pen. And we know that everybody back home has got it better than we do. And we know that we need to get up and go home. Let us get up and truly go home. Not, not someplace else that might be able to meet a need, but get up and go home and confess to the Father and experience your salvation. God, grant us aha moments as we respond to you in faith. In Jesus' name.